Hello and welcome to Deprogram with Carrie Smith. My guest today is a, an author, a writer, a columnist at The Daily Wire. He's got a new book out that's called Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul. Please welcome Christian Toto. Christian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited. This is the first time we've ever talked. On, I mean, this way, not yes. on message. Yes. <laughs> So thank you for spending your time with us here today. We're going to put in the, you guys can see below, we'll put links to where you can find Christian's book. But if you want to tell people just up top where they can follow you, if they want to find you online. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty consistent online. It's typically at Hollywood in Toto. That's where I am on Getter and Twitter. And then my website is hollywoodintoto.com. So how did you get into Hollywood? You mostly do entertainment writing. How did you get into that? Uh, failed art major, didn't know what to do with my career, but I loved movies and I started doing some movie work at my college newspaper. And then when I graduated, I thought I can't do art. I have no idea how to even begin. And then I just pursued journalism with the goal of being a movie critic, which is kind of nutty because it's a very hard job to get. And even back then, journalistically speaking, the, there weren't many of us and you don't, if you get the gig, you don't give it up. But I kind of elbowed my way in. And then at one point I realized, you know, I'm, I'm kind of right of center and almost all of my peers were left of center. Let me kind of lean into that. It's it's who I am. It's it's authentic. And I think there's no one, there's not very many people doing it. So that's kind of where I splintered yeah. off in a way. And then I just kind of went, I became an entrepreneur. I got my own website. I, you know, I do a podcast. I've got all these different gigs and assignments and things, but that's kind of what you have to do as an entrepreneur to be successful in mm -hmm. this, in journalism today, for sure. When did you realize you were right of center and were you always right of center? Because that is that is one of the things I noticed about you when we first started communicating online was that, because uh, I worked in the entertainment industry for a while, I didn't know any right of center entertainment writers. So how did you, have you always been right of center or... No, I, I think I was pretty apolitical for much of my life and I actually worked at two right of center newspapers, not because I was right of center, because they were the jobs that were available. So I happily took them. But I, I was in D.C. during 9-11 and I watched how mm. each party responded to that particular travesty. And one side was basically intimating, you know, we deserved it. What did we do wrong? And the other side was more you know, this is wrong, we need to do something, you know, it, it seemed like there was a very clear moral choice there. And of course, you know, looking back at what happened after 9-11 and the wars and things, I don't, I, I think some of my opinions were wrong for sure, or misguided, or, you know, maybe ill-informed at the time. But just generally speaking, that's when I became more political, more aware. And then in recent years, it's, you know, even if I weren't right of center, God, there's one side that's mostly fighting for liberty and free speech, and there's one side that's mostly against it. So even if I didn't have that sort of change back then, I would have it right now. That's interesting because I was just talking about this with a friend last night. I, If I hadn't woken up when I did, so I started to wake up in 2016 or 2017, and I could see suddenly that the social justice left that I had been in, it, I was in it for 20 years before I could. I started to see some of the hypocrisies and the contradictions and the problems with it and the ways in which it was a liberal. And I saw that when it, it was sort of ramping up and accelerating during the election of, of Trump. Mm -hmm. And, but I was saying to my friend, I don't know how, if I hadn't woken up then, I don't know how people are not awake yet because the stuff happening with the COVID passports and the restrictions on individual freedoms and liberties and stuff happening in Canada. If I were still in that world, I don't think I, 
I couldn't look at that. I don't see how a sincere person looks at that stuff and says, this is okay. And, and sees the way that the media treats the BLM protests differently from the trucker protests. I am so sad deep in my soul about what you just said and the fact that more people are not waking up. And I, I fear that you are the exception and not the rule, that there are too many people who are not waking up at all, are not aware of that, of those, uh, how these things are being treated, the press reaction. There's so much going on in the culture right now. And I really thought with the, um, with the COVID situation, when you were allowed to protest, but you couldn't say goodbye to your grandma as she lay dying. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that's it. That's the moment. That's where we really kind of wake lots of people up. And it didn't happen. And I don't yeah. even think it's happening in mass right now. And I, I think there are splinter. There are folks like you. I talked to, I don't know if you know, Chris Gore. He does film threat. He's oh, such, yeah. Oh, he's such an amazing fellow. He's so smart. He's so cool. And he's a center left guy who, who, just, who just woke up and realizes what's happening in the culture. But I, 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 we need more people like you and like Chris. And I don't know how many we have of you and Chris, honestly. That's, it's, it's what keeps me up at night, literally. I just, it, it makes me so sad. I, I know it's maybe a little off topic, maybe it's not, but it just- No, it, it's it, not it off- really, It really rankles me, it really does. Yeah, it's, well, we, I started doing Deprogrammed because I was, I was trying to figure out these, this question of why aren't people waking up or what there's so many questions. What is social justice? What is this ideology I was in and how is it different from it? The way it sells itself. Cause it sells itself as something really great and noble and, you know, about equality and ending mm -hmm. oppression and all these positive things and, and trying to understand why people are in it. So no, that's not off, off topic at all. Okay. I, I, um, well, I want to ask then, since you you said you're one of the few people who are right of center in entertainment journalism, mm -hmm. what is that like in terms of uh, working with colleagues or being, do you feel like you're part of the social system there or what's the right word for it, the, the social group? Or are you sort of a little bit on the outside or because working in the part of the entertainment I worked in? Mm -hmm. It's all become woke. It wasn't woke when I was in it. I was like the anomaly. I was the woke person moving in this comedy world. But now that I've left it, a lot of the people I know still in it, they've gone fully woke. So what is that like for you? You know, it's interesting. I do find, and by that, I mean, I'm based in Denver. I'm not sort of hobnobbing with people in, in LA or New York. And that insulates me to a certain degree. I've always tried to carry myself in as professional a way as possible. If I'm on a podcast, if I'm on my website, if I'm doing a column, I'm not, I'm not vicious and cruel and mean. And part of it is my wife is, is a Bernie bro. So, I mean, politically speaking, I, I, I'm grounded that way. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of times the people I deal with professionally are PR people and all they want is publicity for their movies and their stars. Mm -hmm. And they, they look past it. So I, 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 that's good for them, good for me. And I appreciate that. And uh, yeah. I think that's important. I, I want to, I was having this thought as you were speaking as well. This is kind of personal. I had a fight with my wife recently about COVID and uh, our, our boys and masking up at school and we're going back and forth and it's unpleasant and we don't have many of those exchanges, thank goodness. But she, her whole news and information ecosystem is radically different than mine. Now, with mine, I read right of center stuff, but I'm also aware of everything else going on in the culture. I, I see the news headlines. I'm on Facebook. I, I have liberal friends. I, I get sort of a, a, a Whitman sampler of what, mm -hmm. of what people left of center are reading and, and absorbing. 
And so I had these conversations with my wife, who's a very smart person. I think she's smarter than me. And we can't connect because mm -hmm. she's reading this set of facts. And I know that some of them are just not true. Just yeah. not true. And that's not like opinion, like, oh, you know, the minimum wage should be X or Y or, or the death penalty is good or bad. There, you know, there are certain things you argue about, but facts are facts. And she doesn't access them. And when I share them with her, she doesn't process them. And Interesting. It, it's, you know, on a personal level, it's hard. And I, I've been able to kind of navigate that with my marriage to the, mostly it's fine. But it's a, it's, it, to me, it speaks of, I look at all of her friends and all of her friends think exactly the way she does. And all of her mm. friends absorb all the news that she does. And our news system right now is so corrupt. And that's not even a strong enough term that that's where I worry. Uh, that's where you can't get deprogrammed because you're, you're existing with a different reality and you're not even, you're not even overlapping into the, what you and I right. do on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. That's a, that's interesting. Thank, thank you for sharing that. I was, I was certainly in, that I was in that world. I was in, I was in an echo chamber. I won't, I won't speak. I don't know your wife's situation, but I was in an echo chamber where oh, she told what, you just, what you described is, yeah, I was, yeah. everyone agreed with me. We all believe the same things. We all read the same mm -hmm. media outlets. We all, more importantly, I think uh, we all excluded the, the same things. Yeah. So we knew certain things that were, that were sort of off limits that you just would not interact with. But mm -hmm we would pick up received opinions on those things. So I could tell you, I think Ben Shapiro is a misogynist and I think Steven Crowder is misogynist, or I think this person's a racist, but I had never actually listened to them. That's right. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That, that people can throw those labels around without even having the decency to say, let me give that guy or gal, listen, let me process yeah. what he or she is saying. And then I'll give them such a toxic, awful label that they may not be able to function in society. You think yeah. you do that sort of due diligence, but it doesn't happen. I think it's, that's weird because do you think that's sort of, it's, is it maybe sort of a uh, human nature that you're, you, you have to take shortcuts to process information. So for example, if a good and trusted friend comes to me and says, Carrie, this other person is toxic. Just trust, trust me. I'm going to, if I, if that's a good and trusted friend, I'm going to trust them. It's a shortcut. Yeah. I may not look into that person. I'm just like, okay, I got a warning to avoid that person. I trust the person who told me I'm going to avoid that person. Do you think that that's just extrapolated to where you, you take it to a, a place where maybe you shouldn't be putting trust in your ecosystem or your tribe and there's no check set up for you to say, it's it I, I kind of think of it as, as something similar to that where you're in this tribe you believe that you're all right and you just start taking too many shortcuts and you yeah. start you start saying well the whole tribe is saying this it must be true i don't have to investigate it's tribal i think that's yeah. that's what's going on now it's it's you know it's in a way it's what trump wrought and this is not his fault it's just what happened after trump and during trump that we split up into these camps. And yeah, you know, it's one of the things I'm trying to do, and I don't always do it for sure, is that there, there may be some messaging that's right of center that's either wrong or flawed or too good to be true. And I, I try to be cynical about that. I try to yeah. be skeptical. I, I, I trip and fall sometimes for sure. But as a journalist, even just as a person, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the mirror of the left where they just, you know, yes. You know, because Stephen Colbert said it, then, you know, John Oliver, it's it's the gospel. 
and it's it's it is tricky. Um, and I, I also I don't want to embarrass myself in the public arena. I mean, I write all the time. My stuff is out there. And if I I, I remember I screwed up something a, a minor fact about the uh, the first Star Wars sequel a couple of years ago. I got hammered on social media, and I was completely wrong. And I apologize. I was like, oh, that's weird. And it was such a yeah. minor thing, but I don't want to get busted on a more important oh, subject. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, it, we, we're tribal. And it, here's another anecdote. My wife, my wife, after we had this big fight, we we kind of made amends, and she asked me certain things, and she said, "Well, should I read your book?" I said, "No, do not read my book," because she won't, <laughs> she won't process it. She's not ready to read that. Oh, sadly. that's funny. But she, also I'm sorry, said, <laughs> it's sad, but it is funny. You're like, no, wife, don't read whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but she said something that did make me a little sad. She said, "Oh yeah, I I've." I don't know if it's she hit me on Facebook or basically she's not getting my posts. Now, uh, on Twitter, I'm definitely, I have sharper elbows for sure. But on Facebook, what I do is either completely apolitical mm -hmm. or I share stories from really credible sources about extreme media bias or just stuff that you really need to know that is not being shared. Because yes. I think that's important to share with my liberal friends that you've got to kind of say, hey, I'm not saying Trump is great and Biden is evil. I'm saying here was a huge news story that the entire mainstream media ignored or told you was a lie without even investigating that kind of stuff. So she's not even getting that from me. And if she's not getting that from me, she's getting it from nowhere. You know, again, I, I, I'm picking on my wife here, but I think she's very uh, emblematic of what's going on in the culture. Yeah. Do you think that's because people deep down, it's, it's such a hard thing to be, confronted with, with facts that challenge your entire system of belief yeah, because I've seen, I, I know a, a friend who is going through, um, I was going to say something similar, but it's not, it's, 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 it's actually bad. There are things, I don't know. It, it's, it's a possible split happening mm -hmm. because this person is, a, is, was a Bernie bro as well. And I think it's still maybe supportive of Bernie, but the COVID stuff completely woke them up and the spouse is, doesn't want to be awake. Mm -hmm. And so, and has actually said, I don't want to know, <laughs> like, I don't want to know. Yeah. And I think that's very telling. It's sort of, I choose to stay in the matrix yeah. and I, I, I want to think the matrix is real. Please don't tell me anything that challenges it. Well, here's another direct um, connection to what you just said. I had a friend. We've been friends for 20 years ago. We live in different cities now, but we still stay in touch. We were very, very tight. Good guy. And uh, it was, I would say he's maybe vaguely center right. But we didn't talk. We were, we, were in a, we were in political buddies. We just like talk pop culture and stuff. And then when Trump came along, he hated Trump, hated, hated Trump. So I didn't even bring up Trump to him because I said, why bother? What's the big deal? You know, I've got misgivings about Trump, but I generally supported him. So at one point we're having a conversation and two subjects came up, Russian collusion and Governor Cuomo. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, you had a lot of evidence that the Russian collusion story was not true. It wasn't as completely debunked right. as it is today, but there was a fair amount of evidence. And also with Governor Cuomo, he was still being celebrated in the press, but it was very obvious he sent thousands and thousands of nursing home patients to their death. Mm -hmm. And it was clear he was covering it up. And so I'm talking to him, we're arguing, it was getting a little heated. And I was sort of saying, how could you like Cuomo? You know, look at what he did. He's like, oh, no, he's great. He's, he, he comforts me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, do you still, I don't know how it came up. I said, do you still believe in the Russian collusion thing? He said, yes. So I'm kind of losing my mind, but I don't think it was getting crazy. We weren't like name calling each other. But at one point he said, 
I can't, I don't know whether he said, I can't listen to this anymore or I can't take this anymore. He hung up on me. We haven't spoken since. That was a year and a half wow. ago. But it was so interesting, the phrasing of it, that we were having a disagreement. And I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to cut off my friendship because we disagreed. I'm disappointed. I think he should be smarter on those issues, or at least one of them. Cuomo was so obviously corrupt. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't, you talk about not wanting the facts. He couldn't process what I was telling him. And I'm going to guess on some level, he knew I wasn't a crazy person. You know, I wasn't saying, you know, that the moon is cheese or, you know, the moon landing was fake. I was saying, look, there was thousands of people who he he put to, you know, he shoved back in the homes when COVID was a threat. And then they don't talk about that. I, I don't think he's a good governor. So. It's an actual fact, right? The, yeah. the Have you ever read, this was a book on the left, so you may not have read it if you've been center right for a while, but this guy, George Lakoff, he's a, he's a, a linguist. He wrote a book called Don't Think of an Elephant. <laughs> I know vaguely of him. I think Rush Limbaugh used to talk about his verbiage use. Oh, really? Great frame conversations. He, I, I think Rush kind of admired him in, in a weird way. Oh, that's interesting because... I was reading George Lakoff back when I hated Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> I was like really on the left. Um, but Lakoff, I understand why Rush Limbaugh would would admire some of what he said. He he wrote this book that was the audience was the left. It was people like me, mm-hmm. and it was trying to explain to us how it is that a, some a conservative could hear a fact and then discard it instead of incorporating it into their belief system or, or acknowledging that it was true. And so what he was saying is that you, if you think of your belief system like a house mm-hmm. and you give someone a fact that doesn't fit their house and, and you're saying, you know, put this new window in and the, you, they can't put the new window in, it won't work without raising their whole house to the ground. Uh-huh. And so they just discard the window and, and, and it's too much to ask them to, to discard the, to raise the entire house of belief to the ground. And, and that's why people psychologically can hear something like that and then just discard it. So what was interesting, of course, is that he was writing this to describe something he saw happening on the right, but it applies equally, yeah. if not more so to the left, <laughs> like, especially today. Yes. And what I've learned a couple of things. One I learned from you is that I had, we had a conversation a while ago. It might've been for the book. I'm not sure. One of, one of our chats, mm-hmm. And you talked about how do you reach out to people? How do you deprogram them? And one of the reasons why I'm as, I don't want to say gentle on Facebook as I am, because I know if I go, you know, charging in with a whole bunch of stuff, they're going to just recoil. But if I, if I share stories that are more neutral in tone and that are more fact-based and that are more logical, that there's a better chance, maybe no mm-hmm. chance, but still better than nothing, that someone on the left might read that and say, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's, you know, why I do what I do. Um, and I think I just forgot my second point, but I think, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, well, I challenging, kinda, giving them something that might challenge their frame. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta step gingerly, you know? Yeah. I, I was at a, a party or dinner party recently with my wife who's liberal and all her liberal friends. They all think exactly in lockstep. And I have to say, I, I don't know if I literally bit my tongue, but they were talking about masking and masking of children. And there was a, a lovely little three-year-old girl there who had to wear a mask until her, PCR, whatever the, the term test is, came back clean. And I was I was so nauseous. And then one of the people there was a principal, a principal, an educator. And she was laughing. She was basically, oh, you know, kids are fine with masks. It's not a big deal. And I and I knew I was going to either explode. I was going to alienate everyone at the table. 
And I just, I did, the, it was not the time, it was not the place. And I also remembered that my wife had gone through a cancer battle a year and a half ago and all the people at the table were just so kind and gentle and sweet to both of us and supported yeah. us. And these are, these are good loving people. But at the same time, I just thought, oh my gosh, I can't, I, I was so, I was so enraged and I. Sometimes I a, you have to, yeah. Yeah. And I, I swear to you, I had a, I had a drink or two in me. Which wasn't going to help. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a drinker if I have three. That's the most I have. And I'm, but it's still, I, I knew the storm that would follow if I if I spoke up because I, I was so because it's it's a real hot button issue for me. You know, it's. Kids. I think we have to pick our battles with what we say about that. And you're, I think you chose well in that situation because you're there to support your wife and and the. It reminds me of this pastor I heard. Um, this was when I first started going to a church. I was still in LA at the time. And mm -hmm. he was talking about how love is treating someone, meeting, meeting someone where they are, but treating them as if they were where you think they should be. Mm -hmm. And I thought about what that meant. And that's sort of what you're doing to those people. It's like, I think that's repulsive that you're masking a child, but I'm going to treat you with love as if you're not doing that. Yeah. And and then maybe, who knows, maybe later if they find out what your opinions are, the fact that you held back and didn't and didn't treat them differently, even though they were making their opinions known, you didn't make yours known, you treated yeah. them like sometimes that plants a seed in their mind of like, why wasn't you know, he was so nice, he was so kind to me, yeah. even though we he disagrees passionately with me. To your point, have you did you see this um uh, Christian that just came out? The CDC just changed its milestones for early childhood education. Yeah, the timing was interesting, isn't it? I did see yeah. that story. I, so uh, nothing surprises me at this point, and I, I think it's a it's another sign that that all of our institutions have been corrupted. That yeah. they're all you know, it, whether it's the media, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's the CDC. I, I I think that speaks so ill of society of us moving forward that we that the things that we what do we trust? How can we trust um, when the CDC does that? Where they kind of lower standards? I, I assume to match. The lowering standards that have been caused by the the pandemic and masking, yes, and masking. all these psychological issues, uh, and just another quick anecdote. I, I was speaking to a, a, my my son's buddies were in the car recently, and, and in Denver they're about to lift the mask mandates in school. I mean, I, I can't wow. even get into it. But but I asked one of his friends. I said, hey, I said, hey, what do you guys think about the mask? You know, going away next week. And one boy, who's a little bit of a rapscallion, he said, I don't know, man. It's gonna feel weird. That's so I, sad. I, I know. And, and I said to him, so I'm like, you know, but it's normal not to. And I, I wasn't going to yell at him. He's a kid. Yeah. That's what his, that's what his, his heart was telling him. But I, yeah. I think I muttered something like, well, it's normal not to wear it, you know, but yes. I, how awful is that? that it's going to feel weird to have no mask on my face. At the beginning of this, one of the things when I was on trigonometry and I was there to talk about social justice, but at the very end, mm -hmm. they asked me, what's the thing? They always end every interview. I said, what's one thing we should be talking about or not? And they asked me that. And I was like, masking children, is what is that going to do? We don't know. Yeah. What are the psychological impacts of that? And and I felt like that's been such a taboo question to ask this whole time. But if, it's an, it should be a, the first question you're asking. We don't know what this is going to do to the development of kids, their, their uh, speech development, their um, interrelationship development, the, psychologically what you're just saying, a kid who's saying, I don't, that's going to feel weird. That is, yeah. There are some children who grew up, the toddlers who they, they haven't seen a world without people wearing masks. That's crazy I, to me. 
I went into a store, I went to Target when this was the first time the masks went away in Denver. And I remember walking in and one of the workers said, oh, you don't need a mask. So I took mine off. And then I saw a couple of faces. I might, I might even saw her face and she smiled and I smiled and it, it, it sort of lit up my moment. Mm -hmm. I don't say my day, it was, just, it was just a passing thing. But now that they're lifting it again here, I, you know, I go to a restaurant and I smile at the waitress or the server and they smile back at me. They just took that away from us for two years. Mm -hmm. That little moment magnified yeah. by how many times per day, how dare anyone say that that's not taking something out of our life? How dare mm -hmm. they say that? And, uh, you know, my kid got COVID. I didn't see a symptom. He had zero. He, he, mm. I don't think he sniffled once. And listen, I know there are going to be some kids who get a little worse. I get that. But we have to, as a society, manage risks. And this mass thing, I don't think there's ever been anything I've been angry about. Than them. I mean, there's there's so much to be angry about in our culture these days. But yeah. this whole mask cult, and yeah. it is a cult. Because I walk around Denver and I see people alone in their 20s, thin, in good shape, walking their dog outside wearing masks With a mask. and, I, and I almost want to just approach every one of them and just ask them as gently as possible but I don't even I don't even think that's going to do it because I think at that point you're so far gone but I, I think that the psychological ramifications of this that's not going to go away for a very long time no not for very I know so we're talking about the impact on children and just for anybody who doesn't know what I, what I was mentioning with the CDC is that they just came out and they changed all of the milestones they said you know, these are the milestones in, of development for uh, infants and toddlers. And they pushed all the milestones back. And they basically said, instead of needing, you know, most kids know 50 words by this age. Now they're like, uh, most kids just know the word no by this age. Like they really are lowering the standards instead. And they're not saying this is because of masking that kids are developing later. Oh, no. <laughs> um, they're not, they're not admitting that they're just pretending like, Oh, we just realized this is a uh, normal. We had the milestones set incorrectly. We're just going to push yeah. them back a little. And, but aside from that, aside from what they've done to kids, what they've done to adults, I mean, like you said, watching mm -hmm. healthy, young, fit adults in their twenties wearing a mask outside is that to me is a mark of insanity. And <laughs> it is. And it's, I, and I, it's I, actually, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's great. No, I have, you have to laugh. This stuff's so mm -hmm. evil. Mm -hmm. There, I know, uh, I know of someone who already had certain types of anxieties and phobias mm -hmm. that have been completely falsely validated and exacerbated by this. And so this person was like, honestly, I don't know if I'll ever go outside without a mask again. And that, that's just sad that this is happening. Anybody who had pre-existing uh, paranoia or hypochondria or issues with mm -hmm. germophobia, like Howard Stern, like these people, it's just validated that for them and yeah. made them think, oh, this is normal. That's one of the stories I often will share on my Facebook page is the uh, childhood uh, psychiatric illnesses are, are spiking, things like that. Because mm -hmm. to me, that doesn't seem like it's outrageous that, uh, I mean, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a right or left thing, you know, and by the way, and I also thought, when I, when I saw the, it's okay to protest, but you can't go see your dead grandma, I thought that would be like the wake up moment. But then I thought, mm -hmm. when you see every other Democrat, it's usually Democrats, and there may be some Republicans doing this as well, not wearing the mask when they should be wearing the mask, when yeah. they're violating their own standards. 
it's become such a a a a, a, a steady like a conga line of hypocrisy. Yeah. I thought, okay, <laughs> that's going to wake people up. Everyone just watched the Super Bowl with zillions of people not masked, having fun, and they're going to push their child off to school tomorrow with a mask. It hasn't cracked through yet. I just don't. I I don't know what's going to it's going to take if if that doesn't happen. If it's that in your face. I don't know where we go from here. I don't know psychologically how we change that. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm starting to think that, I don't know, this is giving me a whole different perspective on history. I wonder if it's doing that for you because oh, okay. I'm starting to understand some things better that have happened in history that for a while it's like, how could, how could so many people participate in this and yeah, yeah. Um, sort of mass insanity that leads to awful things and, mm -hmm. And I think I understand that better now. And I think it's almost, unfortunately, once once a psychosis has has gripped a group of people, mm -hmm. like a mass, almost a mass psychosis, maybe things have to get, unfortunately, maybe things have to get really awful until yeah. the majority wake up. Like I'm still seeing- Like cartoonishly bad. Cartoonishly yeah, like bad. cartoonishly bad, mm -hmm. where you can no longer live with mm -hmm. the not wanting to know, where the yeah. people who are saying, I don't want to know, they, they can't keep it out anymore because yeah. it's intruding on their life. It's interesting. I, I think with the crime situation, which is soaring across the country because they keep letting people out and letting people out and letting people out. I think it's going to take like a Britney Spears mugged and killed, like something of that level. I don't yeah. wish any, I don't wish anyone dead, obviously, but right. I don't know how you can, I mean, how many stories can you hear of muggings and murder and carjacking and going on constantly? I, I hear people talk about living in New York city I wouldn't. I wouldn't stay there for a, a, an, an overnight trip at this point. Yeah. Like everywhere you walk, there's people shooting up and exposing themselves and and having fornicating in front of you and doing. Yeah. This should not. Be, this should not be acceptable. Yet we're still accepting it. Yeah, the, it's the, hell the, on earth. Yeah, the New York, the the new mayor of New York City, within like moments, became a vegan crusader and started attacking the press as being racist because they're not saying how wonderful he is. Dude, you know what the crime is going on there? I, I just, I, there's so, I, maybe the, I, I, this is kind of a tangent as well, but I just, there's such a disconnect in our culture right now. And I think one of the few signs of sanity was that, the, I guess in San Francisco, they had a school board election. They threw out this sort of this maniacal trio of people who were just, uh, you know, running roughshod over their kids' education. And that was maybe like, oh my gosh, the, things got so cartoonishly bad that yes. people are waking up. And, you know, and everything that you and I are talking about is, is I don't think it's political, is it? It's not. It's no, not. I agree with you, Christian. We haven't mentioned policy. I don't even know no. what your beliefs are, politically speaking. They want they want to make it political, but it's not. It's cultural, yeah. I think, yeah. a lot of it. And, do you, you agree? Know, one thing, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's complete cultural. One of the things I try to do as much as possible is I try to embrace people on the left, especially comedically speaking i did a, a really nice interview with judy gold a few months back and she's oh i know judy gold yeah i mean she loathes trump she's obsessed with trump but you know she just wrote a book about free speech and how vital it is i'm like yeah i'm gonna talk to her we had a great conversation you know i love ricky gervais he's a person of the left oh, john yeah. cleese you know uh joe rogan is no conservative at all um, yeah and you know and just to give another quick example i'm bringing my wife into it again so um I was talking to my wife about the N-word. It might have been about Morgan Wallen, the country western singer, who basically suffered a, suffered a year oh, yeah. of punishment for saying it once. And again, in private, not against a person of color at all. I, you know, we don't use the word anymore. I get it. It's, it's, it's not cool at all. I get that. I know the history of it. I get it. 
I said to her, isn't it weird that he faced a year of punishment and yet Hunter Biden was shown sending N-word texts hither and yon and nothing happened to him? And she didn't really have an answer for that. She didn't yell at me. She didn't disagree with me. But she just kind of said, oh, you know, he's not the president or like. And then I might have said, listen, if Donald Trump Jr. had said that, you know, that'd be a story for eight months. Yeah. Like when it's that obvious and people just don't get it. I can't see it. My wife isn't dumb. So yeah. I don't know what it takes to reach her and, and people like her. Like my, my wife's a good person. Yeah. We need to reach the good people and, and, and have them wake up. I am so, I'm so in agreement. I'm so happy to hear you say that because it doing what I do on the show, sometimes I talk to people who are more cynical and are like, oh, it's, it's not worth it to try and wake anyone up or it's not worth it to imagine that person as the audience for whatever uh, thing you're posting or saying online or, or doing in a podcast. To keep that person in mind, the mm-hmm. good people with good intent who just are living in that different reality, like in that echo chamber... I do keep them in mind as an audience or I try to because, um, because I know I woke up. I know you, I know lots of people have woken up. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Can can I, can I get back to your book for a second and ask, um, cause I haven't read it and I do want to make it a book club selection. I think that would be, it would be, it's about woke culture, which is interesting. And we talk about a lot on the show, Mm -hmm. but it's also about entertainment, which I think would be fun. Can you just tell people a little bit about the book and what you were trying to to trace in there? Yeah. So, you know, I cover this for a living and it could be like poking a little fun at a celebrity for virtue signaling gone mad. It could be the biggest actress in Hollywood saying, I can't take this role because the woke left said I can't take this role. It could be comedians, uh, you know, under attack, often from their fellow comedians about the jokes they can and can't say. So what I want to do with the book is just put it all together because when you put it all together, it, it paints a far more drastic and more frightening picture than these isolated incidents, which mm-hmm. you can kind of either laugh yeah. off or just kind of shrug and say, oh, you know, that's Hollywood is silly. Because, you know, this is the, the, the example I use all the time. If you're Scarlett Johansson, and most she's super attractive, she's super talented, she's super bankable as a box office attraction. If she can't stand her ground and take a film role that she wanted to take, the what chance do do you or I have if we come under yeah. cancel culture attack? We don't have the fame, the clout, the money, the prestige. None of those we possess, sadly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So what? So that's where I think it really affects things. When if you're if you see that in the culture and you think I got to keep my head down, I can't speak up for myself because if she didn't, what chance do I have? You know, Stephen King bowed to the mob. Uh, so mm-hmm. many people have bowed to the mob, it, it, and I think that really sends a powerful, kind of subtle signal that. Yes, you better behave, because you'll get you'll you'll find your 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 career, your happiness, you know, ripped from you. And I, and I, I, conversely, this is something that, that's not in my book, although there's there's some hopeful moments in the book as well. But lately, I've been speaking to artists who have kind of bucked that that trend and have spoken out and have gone mm-hmm. rogue and have done what they wanted to do and speak their minds. And it doesn't mean that they're racist or evil; they just have a different set of values, a different point of view. And each of them has told me recently that they emerge stronger and more powerful, often financially more secure than before. And I think that's an incredibly important message to share, to say, hey, you're not going to necessarily go away and be canceled and be erased. It may feel that way. And there may be moments where that does happen. But there is another end. There isn't a sort of a happier ending here, potentially. 
uh, Gina Carano comes to mind, Tyler Fisher, yes. uh, you know, people like that. Uh, so it's, it's super important that we share that message as well, that if you are brave, that there is, there is help, there is an avenue for you. You can have a different kind of success, but one you could sleep at night with, you know? I was going to ask if you had spoken to Gina Carano. Because- I, I met Gina Carano at the, uh, the, the terror on the prairie, uh, film set. She couldn't have been more darling, more sweet, more bold, more brave. She was one of the coolest people I've met in many, many years. And and, and she also just on a, on a weird level, uh, we were, we were very pressed for time. And there was one point it looked like we weren't even going to get much time with her to chat with her. And then we had to go back home. And she said, no, these people came all this way to talk to me. I'm going to talk to them. We're going to rearrange the schedule because they deserve to speak with me. And that's why they're here. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make sure this happens. And so afterwards I was talking to one of my fellow journalists and uh, we were talking about this. And I said to her, you know what? She fought for us because we fought for her. We were like among the few journalists who had her back when Disney was stabbing it. Yeah. And I think she recognized that. I just was so impressed by her, you know? Yeah. I, so. I think that's amazing. Yeah. So what you're saying is I've noticed they've done this. There's there's the two things happening. You've got the big stars like like Scarlett Johansson who are backing down and bowing to the mob, which sends a message that, like you said, that if someone that big can't stand up to them, I guess I can't, you know, yeah. who am I? Yeah. But then you've got the the big stars like Gina Carano who don't bow to the mob and then you see them punished. You know, yep. Disney punished her, which also it when they punish, they're intending to again send that same message. See, you did yep. not bow. Now we're punishing you. This will happen to you if you step yes. out of line. But the third part of that story, what you're saying, that's the most important, which is that it doesn't necessarily hurt you in the end, yeah. not in the long run. And even on a small scale, we just did uh my last deprogrammed episode was with three uh women who were who are small business owners in the knitting and fiber arts communities who were canceled, like part of the social justice wars that happened in the knitting world two years ago. And all three of them were sharing that story. Here's what it's like Mm -hmm. on the other side of cancellation. I'm doing better. Like when you're in it, you think you're going to lose everything. And they're really trying to make you think this is the end. But they said the same thing you just said, Christian, about the bigger stars. They're like, I came out on the other side stronger. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's a, message, it's a message that people like us with, with platforms really need to share. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. I just spoke to a musician who had a similar story and, and he began to write protest songs about the situation in our country. And he said a lot of his relationships, you know, professional music relationships collapsed as a result, but then he ended up getting more gigs and more opportunity came up for him. And, uh, you know, Nick Sears, he falls in this category. He just, he's always throwing sharp elbows. He's a character. And uh, God bless him. I, I just, it's just amazing. And uh, again, this isn't even political. This is not, it's cultural. But those yeah. are the wars we're facing. And uh, another thing you mentioned earlier is sort of picking your battles. You know, I also think that we need to kind of pick our strengths. Like, I'm not a politician. I'm not someone mm-hmm. who's going to knock on doors. I'm not going to lick envelopes. I don't have the time. I just, I just can't. It's just not me. But I'm, new, I'm now doing what I'm doing, and I'm now, in a way, a culture warrior in a non-way, because it's not I, – I wish you knew me 20 years ago. This is so not me. This is not, not who I was supposed to be, not who I thought I was. Oh, totally. But, uh, That's me, too. Yeah. Hey. Um, I think we're, we're kind of sharing how you have to support the artists who are taking, taking those risks, 
and kind of give them a platform, give that story a platform that it isn't hopeless, that if you do kind of, you know, uh, stand up to the woke mob, there is a, there is success at the end of that journey that it's going to be hard for a while and you're going to feel like everyone is against you. And in, in some ways you'll be right, but there is, there is hope that you can, you know, you can emerge stronger with your voice fully intact. And what that does is it doesn't just help you, it, it emboldens others as well. Uh, I, I, I repeat this ridiculously often, but Adam Carolla once said about the woke mob, you retreat, they encroach. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so if you back down, they get stronger. If you, if you punch the bully in the nose, sometimes they back away. I absolutely agree. That and they're happens. bullies. They're bullies to the core. They're bullies to the core. Yeah. So what are some of the other, could you talk about in your book? Are there yeah. other success yeah. stories of some of the people you've talked to who have chosen not to back down? Well, I mean, I, my whole chapter on comedians is, is sort of part of that. There's Compound Media, which is basically Anthony Cumia's ship where it's a free speech enterprise where you can do whatever you want. It reminds me of the old Howard Stern uh, episodes back in the day. It's just so unexpurgated. It's crazy. It's fun. It's, sometimes it's outrageous. Sometimes it isn't for my taste, but you know, people like Chrissy Mayer uh, yes, you know, are succeeding Chrissy. on their own. Uh, you know, Tommy Donald, who I think you turned me on to, the rapper, who does amazing work. Uh, his videos are exceptional. His, his, thought, his lyrics are so thoughtful and, and so truly subversive. You know, and I think, you know, there's Ryan Long, there's J.P. Sears, you know, there's Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon, I think, is the distillation of Howard Stern back in the day because he's so outrageous and so goofy and really smart and really you don't know when he's kidding, when he's not. He says outrageous things. Okay, so you were talking about how uh, in the book there's some examples or there's some people that you've talked to who are mm -hmm. bucking the system like Chrissy yeah. Mayer, Compound Media. Ryan Long. Uh, J.P. Sears, Tim Dillon. Uh, Ryan Long is a very talented fellow. And in a normal world, you know, Lauren Michaels would find his video on YouTube and say, oh, gosh, I got to get him on my show. But, you know, they don't want his voice. They don't want his attitude. They don't want his talent. He He's being, he's shaking things up in a way that should be shaken up, that used to be part of what Saturday Night Live was. But they don't want that anymore. They, they want the status quo. Actually, I'm thinking about doing a, uh, I'm a failed art major. I've been, I just did a recent editorial cartoon about Joe Rogan. I thought about doing another one where it's Howard Stern, but instead of the king of all media, it's the king of all state media because he basically just regurgitates what's going on in the culture right now. Yeah. And uh, Ryan Long does anything but that. And yeah. we, need, we need more Ryan Longs. I mean, the truth to power comedians on late night TV are just jokes. They are propagandists. They're, I feel sadly for them. I'm sure on some level, Jimmy Kimmel is dying inside. He must be, his soul yeah. must be just withering into a little husk because he knows what he's saying isn't funny or clever or true. Yeah. But he's cashing a paycheck, so he's all right. You're cashing a paycheck. Yeah, I think at some point you've become a slave to that system and yeah. that's enough for you. You've got your your, your bread in your circuses. You've got yeah. a big paycheck and and that's yeah. enough to get you through. Um so uh I lost my train of thought. Gosh, this is going to be an editing nightmare. <laughs> 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 um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, any pushback that you've received in the in the entertainment community, or just by by virtue of being a right leaning entertainment writer? Have you yourself faced any kind of attempted cancellation, or are you sort of like you said in that space where you you are just pointing out contradictions and not really dropping you know truth bombs? Yeah, you know when the George Floyd riots happened. 
I really feared that I would face some sort of repercussion for being right of center. I'm so grateful it hasn't happened. There have been moments along the way. Uh, one time I did a, I, someone reached out to me and said, hey, you want to interview the person writing the music for a particular TV show? Excuse me. And I, I said, yeah, I'd love to. I said, yeah, I don't really know, music is not my strength, but I knew someone who is a musician. I thought, let me connect those two. They'll do an interview and it'd be sort of a, a more thoughtful interview than I could conduct. And so I did that and was on the site. And then the the PR person said, hey, can you take that story down? We just found out you're a right of center website and my client wasn't very happy with that. And I said, wow. no, I said, you know, my, my, the contributor who wrote the story watched many episodes of the show in question, did his research, conducted the interview, wrote the story. I'm not going to kind of throw his work away. And you should have known that I was a right of center website. And also who cares them a right of website? Yeah, who cares? Center website. I think what I find more often, I, that those are the exceptions. It happens once in a while. What, what I find more often is just speaking to so many artists who are just afraid that their right of center views will be aired. And I get that. I mean, I know an actor, he's probably in his fifties. He's a name and he's right of center, a nice fellow. And, it, you know, and I, we kind of have an understanding. I will never share that he's right of center mm -hmm. because he's at an age where the gays aren't coming as quickly as they once did. Mm -hmm. And it, he knows what's going to happen if he gets exposed as a right of center guy. And, you know, it, it's Hollywood. It, you know, it, it's funny. I often, when I talk about these issues, it's like an overlap between woke and leftism and the Democrats and sort of uh, being center left. It's sort of this, this odd, uh, mishmash of all those different forces and again like you said sometimes there are people left of center who are proud and strong and and truly liberal in the best sense and then there are others that are aren't but that's that's what we're dealing with here all these sort of sort of different cultural forces that are sort of pushing in a very similar direction and that's that's mm -hmm. kind of what i cover mm -hmm. can you tell people again where they can get your book mm -hmm. and where they can find you online um, and I want to have you back when we do this book for book club. So I, I appreciate you spending so much time with us today, Christian. Sure. If people want to find you, where can they do that? My home base is hollywoodintoto.com. I update it daily. It's an entertainment website, right of center. Not all the content is right of center. There's a lot of apolitical stuff there too. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at hollywoodintoto and the same on Getter. And then, of course, my book is Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul. I think Amazon is probably the easiest place to get it. Uh, it should be available in most bookstores. I went to my local one. I didn't see it there, so maybe Amazon's your best bet. But uh, I hope people check it out. And, you know, it, it, I think circling back to what we said earlier, I would love that if there was someone left of center in Hollywood to, for them to read it. Because I love Hollywood. I love movies. Mm -hmm. I, I, I steered my entire career this is not a this is not a profitable profession. I'm not rich or anything close to it, but it, it is my passion, and I love movies, and I I want that back. I want to be able to kind of write great stories and interview great actors and tell their tales and review wonderful films. And this whole woke agenda is crushing so much of that, from free speech to the the free expression, uh, and of course there are cultural ramifications above and beyond Hollywood. So I want that gone. I want to chase that away. And if my book becomes uh, obsolete in two years, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't be happier. I just don't think it's going to happen. Christian, I'm going to have, I'm going to reach out to you. I may have already done it. And then we had to reschedule. I can't remember if I reached out to you the first time, but when we do film club, Chrissy Mayer is going to be a panelist. We're going to, uh, the first film we're doing is the party. 
Right. I did see that. I think okay. in preparation for that. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to read it because now that I've got the new channel launched and everything, I'm like, okay, we are doing okay. film club. We'll have a good, interesting panel of people. Chrissy hates the movie. <laughs> I, I, I know that you have some, you'll have some bring that entertainment journalist uh -huh. uh, perspective and a person who's passionate about film. So I would love to have you do that with us. I'll let you know when. It sounds great. Cool. Thank you, sir. You guys can find all those links that Christian talked about in the comments. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit like and subscribe. This is a new channel if you liked it, and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.